0: Come together in the name of Jesus. And I pray we come together not in our own might, not in our own wisdom, not in our own boasting, not in our own strength, but in the power of our risen Savior that is given by the power of the Spirit. And I ask that you would open up the eyes of our hearts that we might know and understand, that we might live according to your word. Guide the words that come from my mouth. And I pray that you would open the ears in the hearts of those who hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and we we talked about it this morning in Sunday school a little bit, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, uh, it was very clear in the first two chapters that he was really concerned about the cross of Christ. He was really concerned about the death of Christ. He says, we preach Christ crucified. We preach him crucified. And then later he says, for I decide to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. He nails that point home in the first two chapters. But by the end of the letter, he kind of balances that out a little bit. He says this. If Christ has not been raised, so Christ crucified, dead. But he says in chapter 15, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile, worthless, useless, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, you're still in your sins. Uh, quick note. Sylvia and I, we, this is a, an aside, I'm sorry. Sylvia and I were at a conference this week, or last month, and we sat for about 18 hours straight in a pew with our four children, listening to people like me talk about the Bible for a long time and it was very difficult because we had all of our kids with us but with that said we had people around us who were patient with us who loved us even though our kid might have been like elbowing them in the head in front of them and they're not always quiet and we're all patient with that because we want we want you to know that we want our children to be and hear and worship with us but with that said, because we have experienced it, sometimes they just won't dial it down a bit. And if you feel like you need to, we've got a, a cry room. You go out back in the little lobby in the back left. And there should be sound. You can hear what's being said. There's a rocking chair. There's toys. Use it as you need. Uh, feel free. You will not interrupt us, and you will not be interrupting us if you stay in your seat either. So I just want you to know that. Um, Okay. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. This is the message the apostles took in Acts. After Christ has been risen and He ascended into heaven, it wasn't just Christ died. It wasn't that Christ came and did these things. It was Christ was here. This is what He did. This is who He said He was. To the Jews, he said, you killed him. To the Gentiles, they said they killed him. But then, they finish it with their message, he is now alive. He has been risen. He has been raised by the power of God. This is the message of the apostles. This is what Peter was preaching that we read in Acts chapter 2. It's the backbone. You know, if you didn't have a backbone, well, you I mean, I'm sure you probably said it to somebody. If you didn't have a backbone, there would be, you wouldn't be any good. The, the, the backbone of the gospel is the resurrection. Without it, there's no message. Without it, there's no hope. And for these men who wrote the New Testament, they saw it. They saw it. Thomas, he was a little doubtful. But Jesus walked up to him after his resurrection and said, touch the holes. Touch my side that's been pierced. This isn't a spirit. I'm not an illusion. I'm a resurrected man. I have a body. And Thomas says, you are my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, I'm thankful that you believe, Thomas. Because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe who haven't seen. And this is why we're here this morning. We have not seen, but by faith we have seen our resurrected Lord. So with that, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the resurrection. And as I was preparing, three words had come to my mind as far as the resurrection is concerned. Reality, necessity, and power. Reality, necessity, and power. I want to take a few minutes to go through those three words. The first comes in Acts 2. The first is the reality of the resurrection. Look at verse 24 in chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Well, we'll just, for for the help, we'll slingshot from 23. Let's start at 23. This Jesus, delivered according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you, you Jews, who he's talking to, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You used the Romans to do your dirty work, to kill Jesus, a man attested by God, who'd done mighty works and wonders and signs. But then, verse 24, he said, God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death, Here's the reality of the resurrection. You ready? Because it was not possible for him to be held by death. It was not possible for him to be held by death. This is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now why? Why could death not hold Jesus well, let's think about death for a second. Where does death come from? Sin. You got to let me read the passage first, Mike, before you give the answer. <laughs> Sorry. It's so, all right. I like it. Let, let me read the passage that gives that answer. Just as this is in Romans 5, I'll just read it for you. Just as sin came into the world through one man, that'd be Adam, death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. See the progression? Sin came from one man, Adam. And as sin came in, death followed right in behind. Who did it go to? All who sin. Who sins? All. See, death is an easy reality for everyone to grasp because Even as a child, as you start to grow up, you experience death. Whether it be a family member, a friend, an animal. It's really easy. We might might not live in a way of accepting death, but we know and understand that death is a reality. But the more difficult reality to grasp about death is that death is a consequence of sin. you don't take it even further death is a consequence of your sin now we can think about the garden like we, we talked about Friday when God told Adam and Eve if you eat of the tree you'll surely die and we know in Romans 6 that Paul says the wages of sin is death but we discovered that after Adam ate He didn't die, right? But he did. Did Adam live forever? No. Well, see, when we talk about the wages of sin as death, we're discussing it twofold. You die physically because of sin. You die the second death spiritually because of sin. And we contribute to both the physical, and the spiritual. We as a totality of people, of humanity, we have contributed to our own deaths. We make decisions every day that contribute to our physical death. Do you realize that? When we go and eat lunch afterwards, there is, a, there is something that we should not do, and that is to be gluttonies. How, we, even how we eat is a sin and contributes to our physical death. I'm not, I don't want to an answer. How many of you sped to get here this morning? That was a sin. And that could have contributed to your physical death or to the death of someone else's. Sin has a consequence. And because the fact that, that God is patient and good, We don't take those consequences on immediately. But he has shown patience and forbearance that you even live in your sin. But Paul reminds us in Romans, take heed of this as you live in your sin this week. That his patience to not take you out tomorrow is to get you to turn to him. Is to get you to repent of that sin. So, don't take God's kindness and store your sin in your back pocket for tomorrow. We contribute daily to their physical death. And those outside of Christ continue each and every day to contribute to their spiritual death. But here's the reality of the resurrection Christ didn't, Christ didn't contribute anything to his death, the only thing he contributed was his will. He decided to march to Jerusalem. Probably took him days if not weeks to get from where he was going to Jerusalem. Knowing that the end of his trip was his death. He marched himself to Calvary. He let them put him on the cross. That was his contribution. Not his... God never, think about this, Jesus never overate. Have you considered that? He never once ate more than what he needed. He never talked back to his parents. He never had a cross word for his sibling. He never looked at a woman in lust. He never bore an evil thought in his mind. He contributed nothing to his death. But yet, he died. You think about it on a judicial standpoint. From the side of justice. From the side of justice. You see, on Thursday night, if we're, if we're, if we're mapping out Holy Week, so Sunday was Palm Sunday, Thursday was the night of his betrayal and arrest. He stood before a court that night, maybe the early morning. He stood before a court, a wicked one at that, and he was found guilty. An innocent man found guilty. And what was his sentence? Death. Death. If there was anyone... Who could stand in a courtroom and declare their innocence before God. It was Jesus of Nazareth. But he was condemned to death. To death on a cross. We stand in a courtroom before the Lord. Guilty as charged. Guilty. Without excuse. Without exception. You hear multiple times throughout the Gospels. God does not once look down on us, mankind, and say, This is my beloved. He doesn't. Romans 5 actually tells us that we are His enemy. In our sin, we are God's enemy. But there were multiple times that God the Father looked down upon this earth at his son Jesus and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He did not deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but he died and he had earned life and righteousness. The reality of the resurrection is that the grave could not hold him. So, from Friday night to Saturday to Sunday morning, death thought it had won and had him in his grasp. We sang a song. Did you notice that? We sang a song this morning. What song was that, Sylvia? Listen to this Death could not keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Death thought he had won, but the grave could not hold him. Hades could not prevail because the reality of the resurrection of Jesus was that death had no power over him. Death had no dominion over Jesus and that's why we can read 1 Corinthians 15 and say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? The power, of, of, the power and sting of death is sin, but the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality of the resurrection is that the, the, de- uh, the grave could not hold Him. And now the necessity. I am gonna have to speed up. The necessity of the resurrection. Turn to Romans chapter 4. And I'll, get, I'll read it here in a minute, but I want you to turn to Romans 4 as we consider the necessity of the resurrection. And as you turn there, lend me your ear, and I want to give you the message of the gospel without the resurrection, okay? Christ was sinless. He was holy. He was righteous. He went to the cross to die for, our for, for the forgiveness of our sins. Believe in Him. Let me take you to show you where He's buried. That doesn't make any sense. He's holy. He's sinless. He's righteous. He died for your sins. He's still buried in the grave. Nothing. Christ, if Christ did not die, if He was not raised from the dead, He would be one of two things. A liar or a lunatic. Let me say that again. If Christ did not raise from the dead, history would look back at Jesus and call Him either a liar or a lunatic. But we know that Christ raised from the dead. And we know that He's neither a liar or a lunatic. And because of His resurrection, we see that He is Lord Lord of all. The, the, the resurrection was necessary to show everyone that Jesus is is the Christ, the Son of God. The resurrection was also necessary to prove to us that what He had done on the cross was sufficient. If you weren't here Friday, we, we, we mentioned three things. That on the cross of Christ, Christ died so that the wrath of God would be satisfied. Christ died on the cross so that your debt would be paid. The debt that you have owed Him. And Christ died on the cross to reconcile you back to God. To make you friends, not enemies. If if Jesus had not raised from the dead, all of that would be nothing. Those three things would be nowhere. But you see, it takes God... To endure the wrath of God. Did you hear me? It takes God. To endure the wrath of God. The sin. And punishment. For sin. I'm sorry. The guilt and punishment for sin. No human being. Could take that on. Could bear that. None. Only God. And that's who Jesus was. The God man. You may. I'll conclude this this part real quick with this. Remember in um, Matthew, in all. I think it was in most of the gospels. the The friends drop down the their their friend, the paralytic, in the house, and he can't walk. He can't he can't use his limbs. And they bring Jesus so that he be healed. And what does Jesus say to him? Your sins are forgiven. The 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 Pharisee, the the Jews, they said, How dare this man, how dare this man say that his sins are forgiven? No one forgives sins but God. You know, it'd be interesting to know if any of those people remembered that day after they heard about his resurrection. They said This man is a blasphemer. No one can forgive sins but God. And then a few few months later, they hear that this man had been raised from the dead. Faith. In that instant. Belief. He is God. He was who He said He was. The resurrection to life proved Everything that he had said. Everything. Therefore, his resurrection was necessary. Verse 24, Romans 4 says this It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses. He was crucified and raised. For our justification. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If he had not been raised from the dead, you would all be condemned. We would all be without hope. Finally, the power. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. The power of His resurrection. Now if there's one portion, I, I know we all walked in these doors understanding why we came today. You have a basic understanding, knowledge, belief that Jesus was dead and then alive. I'm pretty sure most of us, if not all of us, can say we came in with that understanding. But here is one thing I don't want you to leave without an understanding of. And that is the power of that resurrection. Everything hinges on this. Ephesians 1 verse, I'll, give you, I'll just help you understand what's being said. Paul is praying for the Ephesians and he's saying, I want you to know something. I want your hearts to be opened up to this. He says, I want you to know this hope. I want you to know the riches. But in 19, he says, I want you to know of this power. I want you to know of the power that is immeasurable greatness. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. He says, I want you to know this power of God that is given towards us who believe. According to the work of His great might. Now, okay. I hurt greatly. We all hurt greatly for those who walk in churches or don't walk in churches. Who don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. But what I am more concerned about isn't necessarily the unbeliever. I'm more concerned about the unbelieving believer. I am more concerned about those who walk in these doors thinking they truly believe when their lives reflect unbelief. And this is what this passage is saying. This power that is given, that is pushed towards those who truly believe. What power is it? Look at verse 20. It is working of his great might. The power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in all, uh, at, his, at the right hand of the heavenly places. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you don't hear anything, hear this. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is pushed, is given, is received by believers from God. Now let me ask you a question. Does your life reflect that power? Let me remind you. This is the power that raised a man from the dead. Does your life reflect resurrection power? Now what do you what do you mean? Look at Ephesians 2 and Paul explains it. Again, remember My concern is for the unbelieving believer who says, I know Jesus raised from the dead, but their life does not reflect it. Their life does not show this power. Look what he says in verse one of chapter two. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I want you to hear the hopelessness, the bleakness, the lifelessness as he explains what you were. For some of us who we are. You were dead. In your trespasses and sin. In which you once walked. You followed the course of the world. You didn't follow God. You followed the course of the world. The patterns of the world. You followed the prince of the power of the air. Translation. You followed Satan. You were filled with the spirit. Of the sons of disobedience. You followed your own passions of your flesh. You carried out the desires of your body and your mind. And here it is, by nature, you were children of wrath. Where does the power come in? Verse 4. This is resurrection power, do you know it? Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us even when you were dead in your trespasses, He made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. That's resurrection power. Taking someone who is dead and raise them to life through Jesus Christ. You see, Christianity isn't A lifestyle choice. And I'm wrapping it up here. Christianity isn't a lifestyle choice. Like some may choose to be a vegetarian because they think there are good benefits. Or maybe some of you choose a certain financial plan because you know it will be good for you and good for your family. Christianity, deciding to follow... We don't wake up one morning and say, You know what? I know of all the options out there, Buddha, Hinduism, atheism. So today, you know, I think it's going to be wise for me and for the sake of my life, for the sake of my family, I'm going to decide to follow Jesus today because that seems like the best route to go. There's no power of the resurrection in choosing a lifestyle of how you behave of how you decide you want to live i ask you do you know that you were dead in your trespasses and sins do you know that you were hopeless do you know that you followed you there was nothing godly that you followed but you followed what you wanted and do you know that in a twinkling of an eye that by the power of the resurrection of Christ, that you were made alive. That you who had no hope, no concern, could care less about what Jesus said, and now, all that's all you want. I want to know. Do you know that eternal life isn't heaven? Eternal life is knowing the one true God. Knowing The one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And this only comes through the power of the resurrection. And so today I say if you do not know that power, turn and repent. Believe in it. Truly believe in it. The fact that it changes you. True faith does not just stay. But it turns away from sin and follows Christ. It seeks. If you have true eternal life, you want to know about your Lord. Repent and believe. Become a part of the body of Christ. Make a profession of faith in baptism. Do not wait. For today is the day. Today is the day for salvation. And for the believer, I don't think I'll ever go an Easter without quoting this passage. Colossians chapter 3, and then I'm done. This is for all. Colossians 3 verse 1. Here's what I need. All you little ones, look at me. Listen. All you little ones, listen right real quick. If you have been raised with Christ, you see that Colossians three, verse one, if you have been raised with Christ, two things seek. The world does not seek God. Believers seek God. God. Believers seek the eternal blessings that they have received. Believers seek to know more. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. And where is he? He ain't in the tomb. He's been raised. And he's he's been raised to the heavenlies. And he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Seek the things that are above. Don't seek the things that are parallel to you. If you have been raised with Christ, do not seek after the worldly things. Seek after the heavenly things. Second, set your mind on things that are above, not things that are below. If you have been raised with Christ, where are your thoughts? Are they here and here alone? Or do you reflect and meditate on the glorious look, uh, on the glorious riches that you have been given through Jesus Christ, the inheritance of the saints. Do you set your mind on Him, or are you stuck here in this world? Here's the glorious truth in verse three. If you have been raised with Christ, I want you to hear this: you have died. And your life is hidden. No one can find your life on this earth. No one can look at you and say, Oh, I know Jim. He's really good at this. And I know him every time I got to go to him. I go for that. And I know he's a really good collector of these things. Oh, man. And you should see the, the, the cars he has in his garage. No. If you have been raised with Christ, your life is hidden with Christ. Where is Christ? Seated in the heavenlies. So when someone says, "I know Jim." Guess what? His mind's always in the clouds cuz he don't stop talking about Jesus. I never not see him when he's not telling me what the Lord's done for him. Your life is hidden in Christ, in the heavenly places, but here's the hope that you have. You know what? That takes it's 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 suffering. For your life to be hidden in Christ and your life not to be here, you will suffer. Because everybody else will say, I got it and I got it now. You're like, nope, I've got it in heaven and I'm waiting for him to return. And look what he says. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, he's coming back. He's coming back. Then you also will appear with Him in glory. When Christ returns, your life appears for those who have been raised with Him, for those who don't seek the things of the world, for those who don't set their mind on the things that are in front of them, but they set their mind on Christ and Him alone. And they do not find any value, any treasure in this life. But the only value and treasure that they receive anything here comes through the blessings of Christ and Christ alone. Let us pray. Lord God, we have no words for the work of the Spirit of God to resurrect our Lord and to bring new life into our hearts, to take out the hearts of flesh, the hearts of stone and put in a heart of flesh. We praise you, God, for the new birth. And it is my hope and prayer that each and every one of us here knows and understands The reality that you may not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. Break us to the point, Lord, that all of us know that we have nothing to gain in this world. But that we have found a treasure and that we would give all. In the name of Jesus, Amen.